Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. And I'm sorry that I haven't recorded any episode for like three weeks or approximately a month. So sorry. And since we've already finished with the first chapter, the comparison of Christianity and Islam, and since um, during this past few weeks, um, I saw a lot of people on social media are having heated debates about the French policies and the laws and regulations that have been there actually for like over a decade since 2000, early 2000. So French has passed out a policy that um, forbid Muslim girls who are under 18 to wear hijab and other um, sort of clothing and the veils um, in public places. So it's very controversial, obviously. And as a person who comes from religious background, I have to say that I am very angry about this policy um, and I am actually very shocked that this policy has been there and stayed there for more than a decade and no one has ever really spoken that about them. Um, They just ignore its presence and until recently it's been out on the internet and everybody is discussing it. So it's pretty weird. So, as a result, I feel like it's a great idea and opportunity for me to discuss um, the reason behind French policies and the whole European situations towards Muslim and um, towards Islam as a religion or a culture or an identity or a background whatsoever in general. So actually, I've been working on a research paper with a professor um, in college. So basically, this professor, he talks about inequality. And obviously, inequality can be presented in so many aspects and so many cultural aspects, religious aspects, classes, stratification, yada, yada. Um, So my research thesis is going to be focused on secularism and Islam in the West. Um, Specifically speaking is how secularization confronts Islam, especially in Western Europe, um, especially in France. So it's a coincidence. And my research thesis and the topic is why Muslims in secularized Western countries are being treated unequally in France. And I'm going to go through my basic and the outline or the structure of my paper um, because I haven't started writing the paper thoroughly yet but I've already done a lot of research I've read a lot of materials so I feel like I can give you guys some information historical backgrounds and specific incidents and the reasons that lie in the French policies the notorious French policies And 
And the first aspect I chose is politics, or you can say states of mind. I focused on different people's different point of views, like different parties and friends, and why. Why is friends so special?、Um, well, basically, friends. Adopts the assimilationist model, or you can say the French assimilationist model. However, on the contrary, other European countries, especially Western European countries, because those secularized Western European countries like the Great Britain, the Netherlands, Germany,、um, they adopt or they have been adopt, like they have had the multiculturalism. Policy or the model for centuries. However, France is a little bit different, and where you can say that there are a lot of Muslims in France, especially.、Um, and the debate towards Islam in France is categorized as two parts. And from this point of view, I talked about、um, different parties and different classes' point of views and their opinions on Islam、um, or Muslims as their. From their identities and from their religion and from their cultural lives, so the left party in France they focus on fundamentalism, so they see the religion as doctrine or dogma instead of as a cultural background or identity. And the left party,、um, it's not hostile to immigrants. This is very important because when we talk about the reason why Muslims in secularized Western countries are being treated unequally, we have to discuss the role of immigration and their misconceptions of Muslims, especially from the immigration point of view.、Um, there are. A group of people called the optimists in the left party. They try to foster an Islam that would be liberal and truly French. That's like can be categorized as can be fit fitted into the assimilationist model, obviously. And there are another part of people. They are called the pessimists. So they're very not that optimistic, obviously. And they feel like there's no secular Islam, and Islam will never be secularized.、Um, on a country, Christianity is obviously secularized for centuries already. And the left party, they concentrate on the defense of the third world and the oppressed. So, basically, the majority of the left party, they want to liberalize, or quote unquote, liberalize Islam.、Um, they want to make Islam be truly French. And now we、um, face the extreme right or the Christian right party.、Um, this party, the right party,、um, the people in them is very are very hostile to both Islam and immigrants. So it's the opposite of the left party. And first and foremost. Um, Christianity. They think Christianity is a European and French identity, and thus Islam cannot be integrated into it. And secondly, they target Islam more than just an Arabic component of immigration, because obviously they're very anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism. Example: They denounced the Economic and Social Forum for having invited Ramadan to attend.、Um, it's historical background, and you can search it up and you can look it up and. 
um, social media and search for the person called Ramadan. And next, we're moving to the economic side of my thesis. And the reason why I choose economic side of the, my thesis is because economy is definitely a very important and fundamental factor in every sociology or every sociological topic to discuss. And for example, Muslim ghettoization. So there's a spotlight of suspicion, and the suspicion was trained on them again, even before the latest acts of extremist violence, including two beheadings. Um, President Macron in France has forged ahead with his effort to rid Islam and France of extremists, part of a project that lab he labels separatism, a term that makes Muslims wins. I found this source on AP News. Um, it's not the AP that you think, it's just a website called AP News. And the title is called French Muslims Stigmatized by Attacks Fell Under Pressure in 2020, November, November 2020. And that's the Macron's perspective on separatism towards Islam because um, with the purpose of getting rid of any French extremist. And he's afraid of a term called Muslim ghettoization which means um, because Muslims are usually living in um, a lot of like chaotic environments together and they feel like maybe this will cause the emergence or the born emergence of extremists. So they pass out a lot of policies and regulations towards this problem. Um, so it's like a very small aspect of this whole economics aspect. And another thing is the shrinking European middle class. It is a fact that a lot of Muslims have already become um, fundamental or like very profound and prominent middle classes, uh, members of middle classes in France. However, it is a trend that in Europe, in general, the population of middle class is declining every year. And there's a lot of charts, a lot of charts and graphs. You can search it up on the internet and all those charts and information suggests that the population of middle class and the power of middle class, political power, economic power of middle class are shrinking while Muslims are fitting into middle class or bourgeoisie, or you can say it in French. So if I were a French, I, if I were a white guy, I would feel like, hmm, but I am losing money. I'm no longer a middle class. However, you Muslim who came from another country, an immigrant who has like a drastically different social background but you are becoming rich. You are gaining wealth. You are becoming a middle class. Oh my God, I cannot take it. So the hatred emerges, obviously, apparently, very easily. I'm sorry, but it is the fact that the shrinking European middle class as well as the emergence of Muslim middle class in French that ignites the hatred toward Muslims as um, 
a whole and general. And now let's move on to the final aspect of my research structure, and it's cultural conflicts, misconceptions, or I can say misunderstandings in general. Um, so first I talk about the concept of blasphemy, and the reason why I say it's a misunderstanding is because the Christian's understanding of blasphemy is very different from the understanding of Muslims of regarding blasphemy. In particular, there is an example called Rushdie Affairs. Um, there's a scholar called Rushdie and he his family was were Muslims. All of his family were Muslims. However, he was he is, I'm sorry, he is an atheist. Um, he published a lot of work regarding theology and religious study and a lot of dram dramatic things happen to he and to him and his published team. Um, it's very um, well known. This incident or the Rush Die Affairs is very well known back in the late 20th century. And if you guys are interested in this affair or the blasphemy in total, you can definitely search it up on the internet. And the next small cut of cultural conflicts and misconceptions is quote-unquote is hijab and other overall Islamic clothing oppressive? Um, well, from my opinion, I don't think hijab is oppressive. I only think it really depends on um, where you stand. If you're looking at Iranian hijab or Iranian women in their clothing or you can say in the US um, Muslim immigrations and their second generation of immigration and they're also Muslim and they're girls and they wear hijab on the street I don't think it's oppressive but it really depends on where you stand and which government or which country's government are you looking at um, so I feel like if we're looking at the European Muslims and European female Muslims and if they wear hijab, it's definitely not a symbol of oppression um, because hijaba, it's in Arabic, it's called modesty and um, initially the Prophet Muhammad um, created, no, he did not create hijab. He encouraged women as well as men to wear hijab and other um, veils and to cover their bodies. In this case, he thought that this could um, greatly protect women from being attacked by um, other males. So yeah, it's at first a protection of women and it's also um, the symbol of modesty and um, humility so yeah it's actually a good thing but like I said you have to divide the concept of Islamic clothing depending on where you stand and now that's the end of my structure it's not perfect 
it's not comprehensive enough and I would definitely add more stuff into the structure and the content of my research. Um, I cannot do the field work or gain a lot of data from my field work because obviously it's pandemic time and my theme is Muslims in Europe and I'm from Asia so it's not pragmatic. However, I still want to talk about the peculiarity of France. Um, like I said in the very beginning of this podcast, at least this episode, I'm sorry, um, France is very special. The model or the religious tolerance tolerance it adopts is very different from other Western European countries. Um, but there is the concept of secularization, and in French, it's called la cité. Um, actually, if you look it up on a dictionary or something, it's the same meaning of secularization. Or, let's see, the non-clerical or secular control of political and social institutions in a society. Basically, secularization or secularism. However, we need to understand that there is distinction between la cité and secularization. And what is the difference? So how is it possible to define the relationship between two terms as vague and controversial as la cité in Islam? We know that la cité is characteristically French phenomenon because it's a French word, obviously, and it's the French word of secularization in general. Um, it is incomprehensible in Great Britain, where customs agents and police officers are permitted to wear veils, as well as in the U.S., where no president can be elected um, who does not speak of God. And yeah, both these countries are Western secular democracies, and the question of la cité thus raises two distinct problems. One is that the identity and particularity of friends, like I said, the peculiarity of friends, and the other is the relationship between Islam on one side, the secularization and democracy on the other. Um, at the outset, we must draw a distinction between secularization, whereby society emancipates itself from a sense of the sacred that it does not necessarily deny and la cite, whereby the state expels religious life beyond the border and the state itself has denied by law. It's very complicated actually, but we if we keep delving deeper into it, in fact the situation situations differ considerably depending on variations in two parameters. One is the separation of church and states, obviously, or the government and the other is the position of religion in society. A country may be secular but not, but does not adopt la cité because it has an official religion like Great Britain, Denmark, the Netherlands. It may even adopt la cité while simultaneously recognizing the um, oration of church, um, I'm sorry, the role of religion in the public sphere, like the United States, where the Supreme Court reason upheld the recita um, recitation of under God in the Pledge of Allegiance in public schools. In a state described as adopting la cité like Turkey, where the law contains no reference to Islam, there is in fact no separation of church and state because imams are government employees, as are pastors in Denmark. 
Similarly, when we speak of Islam, what are we referring to? That's the same question that I mentioned early in this episode. Um, are we talking about the dogma or the doctrine? But that is a matter of debate and a variety of interpretations among Muslims themselves. They all assert that there is only one Islam, but each has his own personal analysis, ranging from liberalism that rejects the veil and would not turn down a drink to a fundamentalism that kills the spirit in the name of the letter. It is thus always possible to um, identify problematically and identify polemically the true Islam of one's choosing, including fundamentalist, liberal, or even secular. And okay, now are we referring to the culture or the history of the Arab Muslim world? But actually, Islam has now left the Middle East, and this is why the question of its relationship to French lassite has arisen. We can, of course, consider democratization in the Middle East and the relationship between democracy and Islam, but we ought not to forget that the principal obstacles to democracy in the Middle East are posed by secular governmental administration, um, and their political model is borrowed from European fascism uh, or third world socialism very distant from the Quran and the tradition of the Prophet. Moreover, does speaking of Islam as a unitary phenomenon really enable us to understand the concrete practices of people known as Muslims? In what way is the element Islam relevant to our understanding of the underlying motive forces of modern societies, even Muslim societies? And all this leads to little but very rehashing of a few tired cliches. And it, this is generally a very big and huge and tremendous controversy, and still is. And let me give you guys a hint. So French La Cite is a legal and political principle, and that defines its difference between the um, secularization in other European countries. And it's also a philosophy and is an effect of the law. So it's demanding, it's a force of law. It's a representation of legal matters and political matters. guys that is the end of this episode and in the next episode i'm going to talk more about lyicism and friends and the relationship between lyicism and islam and more specifically which is the exception so thank you guys so much for listening and hope you guys can stay safe and stay happy and optimistic um, yeah, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. I will try my best to um, upload um, three episodes a week. So yeah, wish me good luck. Bye. Bye.